0: Uh, do you want to do you want to pause it and go back real quick in the recording?
1: That sounds risky. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Router Podcast. On this episode, John and I will talk about the incredibly reasonable Google Pixel Four A cell phone. Also, a security breach that is extremely relevant to me right now. Thanks so much for joining us this week on The Router. All right, John, how we doing this week? I'm doing well, Jason. How are you doing this week? I'm um, doing great. Excited for episode five. Yes. I think we've made it. We've hit the big time. <laughs> we've hit the big time. Absolutely. What? Uh, how has your week been going so far?
0: Uh, it's going well. I, uh, I got a lot of cool stuff done at work and by cool I mean work (laughs) stuff (laughs) <laughs> and uh, more importantly, I am up to page 55, I believe, in Sandworm. So nice. uh, make, make a little progress.
1: Yeah. And your thoughts so far? I uh, really enjoy it. Um, it's yeah. just written really well and I uh, like it. I made a recommendation on LinkedIn not too many weeks ago recommending Sandworm. And I think I will dig that up and put it on the router Twitter handle because I've gotten a lot of positive feedback and... You are about one of about a half dozen people I know who've read it and enjoyed it. So I'm glad you are doing the same.
0: Half dozen people, all with good taste.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my week has been going well. But uh, John, you have some big news and we want to share that with the listeners. So why don't you tell everybody your big news this week?
0: So everyone can find out about the saga that is my cell phone purchase that (laughs) is coming to a conclusion. So I think a couple... A couple of weeks ago, maybe we talked about. I was looking at new phones. My phone is a Pixel 2 XL. It's really been great. Uh, it is on its last legs. Um, I am hard on my phones, so the uh, the battery's not charging so well anymore. There's scratch, There's scratches in the screen. There's cracks in the cracks in the back of it. So I have decided finally to replace it with a Pixel 4A, which is a big departure from from where I was leaning, you know, not not too long ago. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts about it. You know, I, I am a technology enthusiast. I think that's that part's pretty obvious. I enjoy the, the latest and greatest and the, the, sure. the best possible technology. But some of the reviews that came out for the, the Surface Duo um, put me a little ill at ease. Uh, I don't think that that was the device for me.
1: Yeah, I, I understand, you know when we talked about the microsoft duo a couple weeks ago which is the phone that that folds in half for for our listeners who remember uh it folds in half uh that's sort of kind of where a lot of these smartphones are headed it looked like a prototype to me it looked like the first model of something that you look at and go whoa that's cool I think I want to wait for the second or third iteration because I think they're on to something with the folding uh, cell phone. But that first couple of images that I saw of this this first evolution of the the duo looked like it kind of uh, left a little to be desired.
0: I, Jason, I think you're hitting the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned as well. So, um, and maybe this is uh, a little out there, but you know, I'm thinking when when I when I see the kind of cell phone I really want to have. I think of like Tony Stark's cell phone where he just kind of <laughs> stretches it out. But, I, you know, so I think that versatility is is fantastic. There's times where you want a small screen. There's times where you want a bigger screen. And that's where I think that was the itch I was trying to scratch with because, you know, I'm aware that this, the Samsung Galaxy Fold and they have a, the Razer Fold too. Um, and I think there's a couple other companies coming out with them. And they've all had their problems with the glass breaking and that. So I knew that wasn't ready for, well, that was at least ready for me. I wasn't ready for that but um but yeah i'm just i'm not sure the surface duo I'm, i don't think i'm ready for that either
1: yeah well but you have made a purchase and yes. it's the google pixel 4a so let's talk about that a little bit because uh i know you have been doing your research you you were looking at the duo you you always are very thorough in your research so i'm sure you looked at some of the samsung options and i don't know maybe you were considering the huawei option i don't know <laughs> probably not <laughs> but uh you, you've, you've landed on the Google Pixel 4a, which uh, you you have an older uh, version of the Google Pixel and the 2XL?
0: The, the 2XL. Yeah, I've actually been a, a Pixel fan uh, since before it was Pixel. I ha- I've had several Nexus devices too. Sure, um, I've, I've been a fan of Google devices for a long time.
1: And so why don't you tell us some of the specs or features of the 4a that kind of got you excited about it?
0: So, biggest spec that got me excited for it was the price. Um, you really you can't beat three hundred and fifty dollars for a phone right now for a smartphone. For, yeah. for a smartphone with the, the quality of camera that the Pixel Four A has, um, it has a you know fantastic camera on it, which is more valuable than I thought it would be. You asked me three years ago if I thought a good camera on a cell phone was important. I'd say no. I've got my, my DSLR up there. Like you know, if I want to take a good picture, I'll, I'll pull that out. But that's, that's not the case. That's, it's really nice to have a great cam in your pocket. Uh, the screen is, is not the best out there. You know, Sam Again, the Samsung S20 is out. That has a phenomenal screen on it with a high refresh rate. This, I think, is limited to a 60 hertz refresh rate, which is good. It's still better than my current phone, or at least the same as my current phone. But um, I, was, I was debating between actually going with a Pixel 4 versus a 4a. So a 4a is a mid-range phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that the features offered in a Pixel 4, especially now that it's discontinued, outshined the the price advantage on the 4A. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking about a $600 price difference or $500 price difference, and I don't get wireless charging, and I get a little bit worse refresh rate on the screen and a slightly smaller screen size. So all those things combined, just not worth the money for me.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, John. Uh, the 4 which came out first before the 4a uh actually the the 4 came out back in october of last year and they're discontinuing it now after the 4a has been released after only nine months on the market an incredibly short amount of time uh to support that phone which i i think is kind of interesting um and maybe a little telling about google's feelings about how the 4 was executed
0: well, so I guess I do. I would want to clarify that it's not that they're not supporting it anymore; they're just not selling it anymore. True. Google is pretty good about supporting their old phones. Like again, my 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 two XL is still getting updates regularly. Right.
1: Right. Um, but yeah, they're 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 not selling it anymore. Yeah, punting on the the whole version of it. So uh, that's great. I I'm I'm super excited about your foray and to hear about it. I've mentioned a couple of times that you know, I think I may be getting close to in the cell phone market myself. Uh, I'm a little rough on my phones, so they don't last, I think, as long as yours do. Uh, But one of the things that is a bit of a turnoff for me, and I want to get your thoughts on it, is the fact that the 4A doesn't support wireless charging.
0: Yeah, you know, wireless charging is... The sort of thing where if you don't have it, you don't think it's not a big deal to not have it. But when you do have it, you think it's, it's a pretty cool feature and it's something that you need to keep. Um, so I actually, I haven't had a phone with wireless charging since I had a Nexus four that had wireless charging and it was a little bit earlier in the deployment of the technology. It was a little bit, I think a little more rough around the edges than it is now, but wireless charging is one of the things that made me lean towards getting a pixel four still, but there are options to incorporate wireless charging into a device that does not have it built in. You can get a, uh, you know, basically a, a small wireless charging pad that would stick underneath your case and you, it plugs into the power cord. I, I think all those solutions are probably prone to damage, prone to error, uh, things like that. It is a way to get wireless charging in. So it's not a deal breaker for me, but yeah. I think that it's one of those features that it's just really, really nice. Yeah. To you able to just set your phone down and just, just it's plugged in. There's no wires. It looks cleaner. There's a lot, a lot of benefits. It is technically slightly less efficient, but I don't know if you, are, you know about how much electricity a phone charger consumes over the course of the year. It's something like a dollar worth of electricity. Yeah. Um, it's nothing. So e- efficiency on, on a personal scale doesn't really matter. It's just a really cool technology.
1: I think the thing you brought up that's really keen there is if you've never had it, you don't know how much you like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I am on my second phone that incorporates wireless charging And I love it. I really do appreciate being able to lay my phone down on a charging platform, get some charge. Now, it doesn't charge as fast as plugged into the wall, but it does charge fast enough that, you know, if I sit down at my desk within a couple of hours, it'll be fully charged. I can pick it back up. If I get a phone call, I can pick it up. I don't have to worry about being tethered, you know, three feet, six feet from the wall. Mm-hmm. And I could see how if you hadn't had that before, you know, you might not appreciate it or, you know, really care for it. But uh, I am curious to see because you mentioned before getting the wireless charging case. And I am curious to see how that affects your interest in wireless charging in the future, because I, I do think it is dare I say, necessary for the future. I don't know. We'll see.
0: I, I think it's definitely the way it's heading. You know, you see car manufacturers putting wireless charging pads into their cars. I think given enough time, everyone's going to be using wireless charging. But yeah, absolutely. That's a plan. Uh, we'll look forward to talking about it in a couple of weeks, probably.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, is there anything else about the phone? It hasn't arrived yet. It arrives next week. Is there any anything else about it that you wanted to leave the listener with?
0: Not especially. This is my first foray into what's called a mid-range phone. And uh, I'm actually really excited because I think that my personal usage of the phone has evolved to a point where I'm not really going to see the benefits out of a flagship phone that I normally would have. I'm I'm just interested to see where where I end up with it. I'm interested as a personal kind of experiment to see how I like it.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see the variety and the flagship versus the mid-range because Lord knows cell phone prices have gotten to the point where... It's a down payment on a car. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I'm excited to hear about your experience and we'll share it here on the router podcast. So I think we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about what happens when the best of the best gets (laughs) hacked themselves. Hi, welcome back to the router podcast. I have a fun story here. Well, not so much fun, but a little ironic. Some of you know, who've been listening to our different episodes, I have been studying for a cybersecurity certification test the last couple of weeks. And it's a very intensive course, uh, six different books of 200 pages of slides. Um, I've learned so much and I've had so much fun. But the organization that uh, facilitates this this course and the exam is called the SANS Institute. They've been around for a number of years. They're world-renowned for their cybersecurity training. Uh, they offer training in North America, but internationally all over the world. Uh, very well known. And after going through one of their courses, I can see why, because it is very thorough not only do they provide content and reading material but they also have hands-on labs where you can get your hands dirty and so I, i i've had a great time but just this last week a story came out that they themselves were victims of a phishing attack and the irony of this is You know, SANS, which is the best of the best when it comes to cybersecurity training, uh, arguably. I'm sure a lot of people have different opinions of that. But, you know, world-renowned, even they are not guaranteed safe from a cybersecurity attack. And especially something like a phishing attack, which can really affect anybody at any time. Uh, It exploits the most vulnerable piece of any organization, which is the people. And I... I want to share this because it it just proves what, you know, one of the things that has been a continuing theme of this course that I've been studying for, which is just that you can never guarantee security. You can mitigate it. You can do your best to triage it, uh, to prevent it, but you're never going to be 100% secure. And this is a perfect example of that. So, John, you know, I, I mentioned a phishing attack. Uh, Do you want to maybe tell our listeners what that is?
0: Yeah, so phishing is a fraudulent attempt to obtain sensitive information and data such as your username, your password, uh, credit card details by disguising oneself as a trustworthy entity in an email or other electronic communication. It's when someone contacts you over email uh, attempting to get information that you wouldn't normally give them under false pretenses. You know, they say that they're from your bank they say that they're from the IRS, uh, and they attempt to obtain information about
1: you, be it your
0: login credentials to your bank account, your social security number, or any other you know relevant information for them.
1: Right. I think a lot of people have probably heard the term phishing before. It's not new, and in fact, uh, a couple years ago, almost a decade ago now, I think the term catfishing uh, was pretty prominent. But it's all kind of derived from the same thing, which is this idea of taking advantage of people and their either lack of understanding or their vulnerabilities or naiveness, um, getting them to click on a link, provide credentials over the phone, uh, whatever it is, uh, that, that, you know, exploits the user. Two of my favorite phishing terms, uh, actually, uh, are spear phishing, which is a targeted attack, which means, you know, when uh adversary is going after like a particular person in an organization, maybe the HR person. The other my other favorite term uh that relates to fishing is whaling. Have you heard of whaling, John? Um
0: uh, I, I think so, but but go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's big game fishing, yeah. if you will. And I we saw this very recently with the Twitter hacks, um, which was kind of a, a form of whaling where they wanted to get the credentials for famous powerful people uh, to exploit them so a little bit of information about this sans attack because i think you know the details are kind of what's interesting uh uh email was sent to a number of people within the company uh the email looked as though it came from a trusted source actually sharepoint online uh was the email that uh it looked like the sender uh was from Uh, it managed to compromise only a single account on their system. So only one employee out of the the number of employees that SANS employs, only one person clicked the link. What happened when they clicked the link is it actually installed a malicious add-on onto their Office 365 program that created some rules uh, and forwarded emails that had specific words in it to a remote server that the adversary was then able to monitor and and glean information from. The reason I know all of these things is because Sans seizing the opportunity is putting out basically all of the information they can on this to train people on how to mitigate it. A lot of times when you hear about a phishing attack or any kind of attack at a corporation, uh, it's very hush-hush, right? You just get those very surface-level details, the, the absolute need to know from a customer standpoint. SANS, which has put out their Indicators of Compromise blog post, which has screenshots, code, script language, uh, all sorts of information on you know, exactly how this went down. In addition to that, they already have plans to put out a webinar, <laughs> to walk people through how this went down and what actually happened and how it was handled and how it was uh, corrected for the future. And to be honest with you, knowing SANS and the little bit I know about them, I would not be surprised if they put together a whole course on this particular incident.
0: (laughs) You know, and I, I just want to add on to that, Jason. I think one of the other great things about it is the SANS attack started uh july 24th of this year uh they announced august 11th that it had happened yeah. um a lot of the big name uh you know compromises that have happened in the past couple of years you know there's home depot there's target um, a lot of the big resellers that have been hit lately we the the public finds out uh months to years later that it happened yeah. sans came out right away and identified that, you know, A it was an issue, B, it was at least partially mitigated by it sounded like they weren't sending too sensitive information via email. So the information they did get wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't credit card numbers, it wasn't social security numbers, wasn't anything like that. But but they also just right up front, they 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 announced it yeah. within a couple of weeks, over the middle of summer, you know, you can imagine that there was people that were on vacation the whole time that yeah. came back to find out this whole big thing happened. I think that's a really great thing.
1: Yeah. Five days it took sans to say, we're going to get out in front of this and make the most of it and seize an opportunity, which will be an opportunity for them. As I said, they're creating a webinar. I would not be surprised to see a training activity from them uh, and to see more of this, you know, what was potentially an egg on their face event is now turning into what could be revenue generating. We should all be so lucky. Yep. Yep. <laughs> The other the other part of this too, so SANS, which I said, it, it operates training. Um, you know, they they don't have trainers necessarily employed. They they contract with their trainers. They have numerous dozens, maybe even hundreds of different people to pull from, experts of experts, subject matter experts in the field of cybersecurity. Uh, the group that is leading the investigation into who did this, why, and how it was executed is actually the instructors for their digital forensics training courses. (laughs) Uh, the, The really, you know, the last people you want investigating your fishing scheme as an adversary uh, the the premier experts in the field are looking into this which I find incredibly ironic and a neat little twist
0: yeah, yeah that's funny you know it's like uh, it's you know if you were going a couple miles per hour over you know when you drive yeah. on the highway and then all of a sudden you had the Secret Service pulling you over yeah. with with <laughs> helicopters <and laughs>
1: yeah so it's unfortunate that this happened it's not funny Uh, There is some irony here. It is personally specific to me because I'm taking a SANS course right now and I, I hold them in high regard because I'm learning a lot. I think it's just awesome that they are releasing as much information about this to train and provide a use case example to industry. And I think it's incredibly opportunistic of SANS to put together any kind of content as far as webinar or whatever else uh, going forward, and I I hope more people will adopt a similar model. Uh, there is a lot to be learned from attacks that go on that we see in the news every day, and yeah, I'm 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 excited to see what comes of this.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think that the takeaways for our audience is that no security is perfect, Mm-mm. if if only because there's users using it. You know, you can't you can't completely discount that part of the equation you know it's always going to be the weakest part of the any cybersecurity system but uh if they if people can learn from this and and realize that a it happens to everybody and b you can take steps ahead of time to mitigate the, the damage by a not sending Sensitive information over email when you can, and B, yeah. when you do realize there's a problem, taking quick steps to address the problem as opposed to saving face later on. Yep. Only going to work out the best for everybody.
1: Absolutely. All right. Uh, so let's wrap this thing up, John, like we usually do. What are you going to be working on this week?
0: So I, I've already touched on the sandworm. I'm going kind of to attack a little more sandworm. Uh, really? I'm just excited for that phone to come. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a Christmas in August, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a present for myself and I, I just can't wait to play with it. I'm looking forward to that. What about you, Jason? What are you doing?
1: So I am going to continue studying. I've got a couple days off here and I'm going to hit the books because I'm very close to taking the exam, but I may steal some time to rewatch some of the defcon talks that i found the most interesting mm. uh our last episode i talked about defcon and i watched one presentation specifically on passwords and how safe or vulnerable they are even the what we think of as the the most secure passwords and i just thought it was the most interesting thing uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to rewatch that and take notes this time and take a little bit more away from it so
0: yeah very interesting Looking forward to that yeah
1: yeah cool that's our episode that's the router podcast uh i want to thank you all for taking the time to listen uh you can always reach out to us uh, at the router podcast at gmail.com or on twitter uh, we are going to take actually a couple week break here uh, as I try to wrap up my studying for this certification exam. I'm also going to assess the structure and the layout of our podcast a little bit and maybe try to come back with some new features new new things and continue to try to bring you guys the best quality show that we can so thank you so much for listening uh i look forward to coming back and talking to you guys in a couple weeks have a great week thanks john
0: thanks jason
1: it's called the transatlantic or (laughs) mid-atlantic (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. It says it
0: right there, and I didn't know it was called Transatlantic. You didn't know it was called Mid-Atlantic, but we both knew about it.
1: (laughs) I'm from the South. He's from the North. We're different.
0: (laughs) Watch us meet in the middle.